Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all, um, and welcome to Redemption Church. As we continue to worship, as we've done through uh, singing and through prayer and through uh, readings, now we will uh, look at God's Word in Deuteronomy chapter 22, where we've been for several weeks now seeing how the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy points us to Jesus, um, our only hope in life and death. If you are new to Redemption Church, we say that our purpose is gospel community mission. Those are the uh, three buzzwords you'll hear a lot around here. We believe uh, that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. And we believe that that's experienced together in community, community, no matter where you are in your stage of faith, whether you're a long-time believer, a new believer, a not-yet believer, a seeker, a doubter, a skeptic, atheist, uh, we are glad that you are here. And we believe that the good news of Jesus Christ can stir us up um, and change us for God's glory and our good. We believe here that redemption, we say that our vision is to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We want to be uh, folks who are growing in the faith and uh, constantly looking to Christ as our uh, redeemer, our restorer, our rescuer, our healer, our coming king. And we say that our mission is to bridge barriers to the gospel through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practice spiritual disciplines, relationship building, and personal service. So uh, there you have it. This is who we are and what we are trying to do here. So we welcome you. If you are a guest, we're glad you're here. And I want you to feel welcome as we uh, seek the Lord together through his word and through worship and community together. Uh, As we turn to Deuteronomy 22, let me pray uh, that God will be with us in our time and his word this morning. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. God, we thank you that you are a loving, kind, gracious, merciful God. Lord, that the story of human history is one of your wayward people running away like children and you seeking them as a loving father. God, that your people have acted like a wayward bride, yet you were coming to rescue her. So Lord, I thank you that we can experience this good news together. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would stir up our minds, attention, and our hearts' affection to you, that you would illuminate our understanding by your spirit. Uh, the scriptures that you have inspired. Uh, So God, we thank you for this time. We give it to you and pray that you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Jesus would advance in our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 22, the first seven verses say this. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. If he does not live near you and you do not know where he is, you shall bring it home to your house and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment or with any lost thing of your brother's which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up again. A woman should not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. If you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground, and young ones and eggs, and the mother sitting on the young or the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long. This is God's word. Friends, brokenness, ignoring brokenness leads to more brokenness. 
Ignoring brokenness perpetuates more brokenness. And we need restoration. The good news is that in Christ we have restoration. And restoration perpetuates more restoration. As we've gone through Deuteronomy, we see that time and time again there are specific cultural instructions that apply to Israel prescriptively, but they are not prescriptive for us, but rather descriptive and pointing us to Jesus. Chapter 22, and as we get to chapter 23, get pretty complicated and interesting. There are instructions about um, what we've just read about restoring lost property to someone. There's instruction about clothing. There's instruction about marriage and sexual morality. There's instruction about uh, cleanliness in the camp and several different laws that God's people had to apply. And, and, And we look at them and sometimes we can approach them and say, how does this, what does this have to do with us today? Because This instruction is not prescriptive for you and I, meaning we don't necessarily have to do these exact laws because we are not Israel. However, this shows us something about the nature of God, the nature of humanity, and reveals our need for a rescuer, reveals our need for restoration. The whole theme of the Bible is one of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. We see throughout the story of the Bible that in the beginning, God creates everything out of nothing. He creates the first man, the first woman. They live happily until sin enters the world. After sin enters the world, what we know is the fall, everything comes unraveled. Human relationships, health, nature itself begins to come unraveled. But the story doesn't end there. God does not leave his people in the brokenness of the fall, but rather promises redemption and restoration. After that, we see the story of the Bible as God rescuing his people time and time again. He rescues them very physically from bondage in Egypt. He rescues them spiritually from the bondage of religious legalism and cultural and personal sins and brokenness. He rescues them ultimately through Jesus coming to set up his kingdom eternally. And then he brings restoration, meaning that God is setting things right the way that he intended them to be. In the meantime, we find ourselves in the tension between the fall and restoration. We find ourselves experiencing glimpses of God's redemption in our lives and then falling once again. We find ourselves struggling with sin and brokenness, pride, fear, guilt, shame. We find ourselves struggling with sickness and disease and severed relationships. We find ourselves struggling with political and religious and cultural differences and upheaval and tension all the while waiting for God's ultimate restoration. When we look at Deuteronomy 23, I want us to look at it through the lens of the promise of restoration in Christ. If we look at it through the lens of brokenness, we will find ourselves despairing, thinking, wow, what a messed up world. If we look at it through the lens of, hey, maybe we can fix this, we will find ourselves puffing up in pride, thinking we can do great things apart from God. But what I want us to do is to look at scripture all the time, humbly saying, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about the human condition? And how does this point us to Christ? How can we can, we can trust Jesus to do something that only Jesus can do, and that's to bring true restoration and redemption. So when we look at scripture today, 
I want us to look at these verses because I think it, it points us, it, it kind of leads us to seeing how Christ brings about restoration. And I want you to think about a couple of things. First, what does brokenness look in your life, look like in your life? What does brokenness look like in your life? It may be a personal sin, it may be a personal vice or a struggle. It may be a relational tension you have with a relative or a coworker or someone at school, someone in your neighborhood, maybe in your marriage or family, maybe a friend, maybe someone in this church or someone at another church. Well, what does brokenness look like? Secondly, how are you seeking restoration of that brokenness? Are you seeking restoration of that brokenness? Maybe you find yourself in despair saying it's hopeless, things are broken, things are messed up, forget it. Or maybe you're saying, well, if I do better, try harder. Maybe I can give a little here, give a little there. Maybe I can try this thing and restore things. Friends, sometimes that can lead us into despair just as much as the brokenness. Because the third way that I want us to look is to see how Jesus can intervene and bring about restoring goodness to our lives for his glory, for the good of his people, for all eternity. So how do we get there from Deuteronomy 22? Let's look at a couple things. The first verse says this, you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. Verse three, you shall do the same with his donkey or garment or with any lost thing of your brother's which he loses if you find, you may not ignore it. Verse four, you shall see his brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. Three times in the first four verses we see the word ignore. Now, in the Hebrew text, that word ignore can mean to conceal. I mean, it could mean to, to pay no mind to, like, let's just put that out of mind. But it has more of the implication of, of covering it up, like to conceal, almost like to, to uh, you know, scrape away your tracks or, or dust your fingerprints off of the cookie jar or what have you. And so we get the imagery of somebody seeing something that's broken and being tempted to conceal it, to say that's... That's really not what's going on. Maybe it's not as broken as it seems, or maybe that's not my problem. We see a guy walking by his brother's property, an ox or a sheep, and saying, you know, that's my brother's problem. He should have tied the thing up. He should have tied his sheep in a pen. He should have tied the ox to a tree. That's his bad and ignoring the brokenness. Before you ignore the instruction here by saying, I don't have an ox, my neighbor has no sheep. There's a lot that this is telling us about the human condition. How easy it is for us to want to conceal something that is broken, something to, to ignore sin or brokenness or mistakes or whatever it may be. In fact, I was doing a little research and came to find out that this word ignore to conceal is the same imagery we have in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve first rebelled against God. They went hiding from the Lord in shame. They concealed their nakedness before the Lord. They were ashamed. That's what brokenness does. Brokenness drives us to ignore what's broken or to conceal the sin or brokenness. It, it causes us to either go to fear or to shame or to guilt we see in Genesis, though, that God pursued his people and said, where, where are you? That God provided for his people in the midst of their brokenness to lead them to redemption. You see, ignoring brokenness 
just perpetuates more brokenness. Concealing brokenness perpetuates more brokenness. If there's brokenness in your life, whether it be sin or a vice or relational tension or you're struggling with something politically, religiously, or culturally, we can't ignore it. We can't conceal it. That drives us further from the gospel. That drives us further from each other. We say our purpose statement here is the gospel community in mission. The gospel, you cannot push the gospel away. You cannot draw the gospel close when you are concealing or ignoring brokenness. You just can't. We live in the South, which is over-churched and maybe over-religious at times where you just want to say, well, let's just not talk about those things. It's not proper to talk about those things at the dinner table. Or, you know, if you have a personal issue, that's your issue. Just don't bring it up. Maybe, you know, have you ever been in that environment? Have you ever been like at the dinner table? You're like, hey, I mean, you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics, right? If you're on Facebook, that's all that's out there right now. Somebody please post a funny squirrel skiing on the water, please, for the humanity. But it's far too easy for us, whether it be for comfort reasons or pride reasons or fear and shame reasons, to ignore and conceal brokenness, right? Do you want me to tell you what my sin is right now? Do you want me to tell you what my struggles are? do Do you want me to reveal to you the issues that we're having to wrestle through in my extended family right now? We, we don't want to do that. We want to conceal, to cover. But friends, there's some good news I want us to see because this is, this is where the instruction takes us in Deuteronomy 22. We're going to get there in a second. Look at, look at verse 2 first. If he does not live near you and you do not know where he is, you shall bring it home to your house and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. There's a lot going on in these four verses besides people just returning sheep and oxes. It's showing us the nature of what God wants his people to experience in light of the gospel. Three times in these verses, he says, do not ignore brokenness, do not ignore, do not conceal what is wrong. And then in verse two, he says, you shall take upon it yourself the responsibility to bring this animal to your house. You shall take care of it until your brother seeks it. You shall restore it to him. I love the word restore. It means to turn back. It means to convert. It means to draw back. And sometimes, in some cases, it it means more than just returning things to the way they should be, but it actually can mean to return things to be better than it was before. Isn't that good news? Can you imagine, like I know you're thinking, dude, we live in a thriving metropolis. What What does an ox and a sheep have to do with anything? Can you imagine being maybe with your brother and you're like, man, my brother keeps losing his sheep. I have to go get his sheep one more time. I have to go get his ox one more time. If you restore that, that means the relationship may actually be better than it was before. Like maybe because this one guy is obeying the Lord and is returning the ox, returning the sheep, things are better with his brother than they were before, not just the way they were. Think about how that applies in your life. 
Think about a broken relationship you may have. And you can say, man, you just, you don't understand how my sibling wronged me. Or you don't understand what my parents did or what this person did. Can you imagine following the instruction of the Lord, trusting God to bring restoration? And that restoration means that relationship is better after than it was before. That's what I want. I don't want the people that have wronged me or the people that I've wronged for things just to be kind of okay or maybe at best what they were before. I want them to be better, better than they were before. So I want to ask you this, what sin or brokenness is in your life that you are ignoring or concealing and what is it, how is it affecting you? Secondly, what does restoration look like? Are you trying to turn back? Are you trying to convert or draw back in or make things better like the way they were before? Whether that be with your sin issue. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with porn or I'm struggling with with greed. I have a foul mouth, whatever it is. How are you trying to restore and fix it? Because what follows in chapter 22 gets really Like I was trying to see, how do these dots connect, right? It's talking about sheep and oxes. And then all of a sudden it says, hey, um, a woman shall not wear a man's garment. What does that have to do with sheep and oxes, right? Nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. If you come across a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground with young ones and eggs, and the mother sitting on the ground or with the young, you shall let the mother go. But the young you may take for yourself, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long. You see, verse 7 is pivotal in understanding what the consequences of ignoring and concealing brokenness and pursuing restoration. Verse 7 is pivotal. Like, what, what does that have to do with birds? Listen to this. That it may go well with you and that you may live long. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want things to go well for you? Don't you want to live long? This is an instruction to God's people time and time again in the Old Testament. God was saying, hey, if you follow my instruction, if you obey me, if you trust me, if you love me, if you pursue me how I've pursued you, things will go well for you. Things will go well for you in the land that I am giving you. You will live long for multi-generations if you obey me. Friends, if you just look at any family tree, look at your own family tree, you can see how one bit of brokenness takes your family tree in a legacy of brokenness. Right? One divorce, one affair, one drunken grandfather. Just, that's my family tree. And see how that sets you on a trajectory for disaster for generations. Having to, having to wrestle through things. You're like, well, if that guy wouldn't have done that 90 years ago, things might be different for us today. And so we can look at the effects, a legacy of brokenness that's being passed down from generation to generation. We can have within us the, the desire to bring restoration. We want things to go well for us. We want things to go well so that we will live long. The rest of 22 is just... Very interesting. Verse 8, there's instruction about what to do when you build a house. You're to build things so somebody won't fall off your house. There's instruction about what kind of uh, agricultural practices to do when you are planting a vineyard. There's instruction about what kind of tassels to put on your garment when you cover yourself. There's instruction about dishonesty before marriage and during marriage. There's uh, instruction about what to do with adultery. 
There's instruction about what to do during sexual assault. And I look at this and just, I'm amazed and thinking, how? There's so much here. Verse 22, for instance, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge evil from Israel. Pretty harsh words, right? Verse 25, if in an open country a young woman who is betrothed to a man and a man seizes her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. Verse 30, a man shall not take his father's wife. It's pretty depressing, right? Wait till we get to chapter 23. (laughs) Just read ahead and be like, what? But we have to look at this in light of brokenness and restoration. We can't jump to the penalty for adultery and think, that it ends there. I think God was telling his people here there is consequences for sin and brokenness. If somebody has an affair and they're caught in the act, they both get stoned. This is not prescriptive for us. This was prescriptive for Israel. We do not take people out the city gates and stone them to death when they have affairs. But I think what God was wanting his people to see is the effects of brokenness and the need for restoration. I could only imagine, because I wasn't there, but I could only imagine witnessing somebody get caught in that act, see the, the, the justice carried out for them, they're stoned to death, and then going home to get lunch. I don't imagine it was a celebratory time. I don't imagine anyone said, justice was served today because they got what they deserved. I imagine people who honestly were seeking the Lord would go home heartbroken, saying, God, look at the brokenness. Look how it has affected this couple and this family. It actually ended their life. God, they are broken. We couldn't do anything to fix the brokenness. We need a savior. We need a rescuer. We need your intervention to restore us. Do you see that there? I think that's what God may be teaching his people, is when we see the effects of brokenness, We can never walk away saying, justice is served. They got what they deserve. They shouldn't have been doing that. Yay, come over to my house for some barbecue. I think it's a time of mourning and sadness when justice is carried out in that instance. Happens time and time again in the Old Testament when people, the punishments were so harsh. When somebody was sexually assaulted and the person, the perpetrator was put to death I can't imagine the weight of of seeing that justice carried out and and trying to help the person who was assaulted. Like, the brokenness is there. Like, what what do we do with it? We we, we can't, how can we make things right? How can we, we need divine intervention. Are you with me? No. Here's what I want us to know because we'll pick up on this in two weeks when we jump into Deuteronomy 23, which gets really, you know, more interesting in some of these areas. Because it's God's word. This is God's word for us. This is truth. There's something here for us to learn about God and to learn about the human condition. And I don't want us to say, well, let's just all pick up rocks and, and kill adulterers, right? It's not what it's saying to do. 
It's exposing the goodness and grace of God. It's exposing the brokenness of humanity. It's exposing our need for rescue. And if we look at this and say, well, let's just do what it says so that we will be restored, we miss it. We need to look at it and says, man, even if we do what it says, there's still brokenness. Even when justice is carried out for an adulterer or somebody who's sexually assaulting people, even when justice is carried out to the letter of the law, they're still hurt. There's still brokenness there. There's still this weight of a need for rescue. If you read the Old Testament and you don't feel the weight of a need for rescue, you're reading it wrong. We need restoration. Brokenness is everywhere. We could change legislation. We can change cultural whatever. We can change our minds and opinions. We could try to conceal and sugarcoat and ignore. But at the end of the day, the brokenness is there, people. It can be beautiful, but it's broken. It can look good and be PC, but it's broken. And we can't say, well, we just need to do this and maybe everything will be restored. No. We need to look at it and say, man, my brokenness looks this way. Your brokenness looks that way. Your brokenness is prettier than mine. My brokenness is dirtier than yours. At the end of the day, we're all broken. We all need restoration. And here's what I want us to see. In the first century, Jesus, God incarnate, sets foot into human history amidst political upheaval in Rome, where there was massive expansion of the Roman Empire and massive oppression of God's people in Israel people being taxed, it was said 70 to 90%. Cultural oppression, religious oppression, religious corruption. Guys who knew the Old Testament far better than than we could know, but were applying it wrong and missing the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, God incarnate, sets foot into human history in the midst of political and religious tension God's people for hundreds of years saying, hey, we're waiting for that restoration, God. We're waiting for that redemption. We're waiting for that rescue. We see the brokenness. We see it. We feel it. We're trying to do the law, but the brokenness is still there all around us. And Jesus comes in, lives a perfect life, teaches God's word, says, hey, all of this Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets, the law, it's all pointing to me. Everything about that's pointing to me. Look to me. You want to understand the Old Testament? Look to me and you will see the Old Testament interpreted in me, through me, through my life, through my death, through my burial, through my resurrection and my ascension. And here he is in Acts 1. You know, Jesus had been crucified, came back to life, (laughs) appeared, gave final instructions to his disciples in Acts 1-6 says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, at this, like, will you bring restoration now? Like, we, <laughs> Jesus, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? We, we've seen your life. We've heard your teaching. We've witnessed your miracles. We witnessed your death. We witnessed your resurrection. Jesus, where's the restoration? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
should go home and read the rest of the book of Acts and see how Jesus starts bringing restoration by the Holy Spirit through his people. It's awesome. 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Friends, if you're here and you're like, dude, I want restoration. I'm experiencing brokenness. I'm wanting restoration. I'm experiencing hurt and severed relationships and sin and vice and the effects of my grandfather's sin still affects my family today. I I want restoration. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? The God of all grace will restore you. The God who created everything out of nothing will restore you. The God who walked in human flesh on earth and like did miracles and taught and like just commanded the sea will restore you. If God could create everything out of nothing, he can restore you. He will restore you. It is a promise for those in Christ. You will be restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. Swift, angry justice will not bring restoration. Ignoring, concealing brokenness will not bring restoration. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. What does that mean for us? Politically, there's a lot going on right now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. God's the one who's bringing restoration. The God of all grace is bringing restoration. If we take our eyes off Jesus and say, well, let's just go to the law. If If you go to the law without looking to Jesus, you miss it. You miss it. Keep your eyes to the God of all grace who will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13. Mm, so good. This is, this is God's word for us. Finally, brothers and sisters, that means brothers and sisters in Greek. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that a great promise to grab onto this morning? Friends, brokenness just perpetuates further brokenness. Pursuing restoration apart from the God of all grace just perpetuates further brokenness. If you want restoration, we have to keep our eyes to Christ who himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. We have to heed the words of Paul, God's word through the apostle Paul to rejoice and aim for restoration. Those who have experienced restoration, pass on restoration. Those who've experienced grace, pass on grace. Those who have been comforted, comfort one another. Those who have been loved by God, love one another. Those who experience the peace of God, pass the peace of God on to others. So in conclusion, I'll just say this, friends. What areas of sin or brokenness are you ignoring? 
What sin or brokenness are you concealing, whether it be personal or relational or in your family, or, or maybe it's a cultural thing? There's cultural things out there, y'all. We're, we're part of the culture, so it's, it's okay to tune in. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. But what are you ignoring? What are you concealing? Maybe it's, it's personal, relational, maybe in your marriage or family. Maybe it's a rift with someone at school or work or here in this church. Let's... Let's bring restoration by keeping our eyes to Jesus. Right. Secondly, we need to repent. That means to to turn away. It actually means to restore, to turn, to repent of ignoring, repent of concealing, and lean into Christ for restoration. This is what we proclaim, and this is what we are to demonstrate as we experience it. So, that's it. Brokenness, restoration. Keep your eyes to the God of all grace who himself will restore. Outside of that, we have no hope in life or death. We're going to have a time of response as we always do at Redemption Church and I want to ask you to do a couple things. If you are not a believer, I want you to consider the gospel of Jesus. Um, the gospel of Jesus is not about ignoring uh, sin or brokenness, but rather acknowledging it and taking it to Jesus. Uh, if you're not a believer, we want you to know that uh, restoration doesn't come by doing better and trying harder and living by a set of religious rules, but rather looking to the God of all grace to comfort you. And we, we do that together. So no matter where you are in your stage of faith, whether you are not a believer at all or you're a seeker, doubter, skeptic, if you're here, you're like, man, I was a believer once, but I don't really believe now. Man, I'm so glad you're here. You could be a staunch atheist. Man, I welcome you here. No matter where you are in your faith, we are glad you are here. We want to experience the grace of God together. So if you are not a believer, I want you to consider the gospel of Jesus and talk to someone here about it. You can grab me if you want to talk more about it. Uh, if you are a believer, I want you to join me in repenting of ignoring and concealing sin, whether that's personal sin or uh, social brokenness or relational brokenness in your family or whatever it is. Repent of that and turn to Christ, not trying to restore things in our own strength, but looking to Jesus to bring restoration and leaning into him. Um, the musicians will come back and lead us through a time of music where we can worship through singing, um, through meditation, through looking at the scriptures. And also before us, uh, you will see wine and juice and bread. Um, we can celebrate communion together. If you are a believer, we invite you to come and participate by tearing off a piece of the bread and dipping it in the wine or the juice, remembering who Christ is and what he's done through his death for us. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it is a time for us to reflect and celebrate the gospel together. Uh, let me pray. Father God in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. And Lord, I ask during this time of response that you stir up our hearts, affection, and minds' attention to you. God, that you would uh, convict us of sin and brokenness that we ignore or conceal in our lives, personally, in our families, marriage, uh, in our community, whatever it may be. 
And Lord, that you would uh, give us the humility to look to you, the God of all grace, the God of our comfort, the God who um, brings restoration uh, both now and into eternity. God, I pray that you would keep us humble, that we would not be um, pridefully wanting to bring about our concept of restoration in our way through our law keeping or moral code, but rather, Lord, we would see how your word, your law, points us to our need for a rescuer, ultimately in whom we see that in Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you would bring about the awakening of that good news in our hearts and minds today. God, that those who don't know you would come to know you. God, that you would rescue them the way you've rescued me and that you, the way you've rescued so many of us in this room. And Lord, uh, for those who do know you, God, that you would awaken within us a, a, a revival of a spirit of grace and wisdom and faith and courage and boldness. Uh, God, that we would be doers of the word as well as hearers of the word, that you would give us wisdom and steadfastness to, to live out the gospel news uh, in our marriages and families and neighborhoods, uh, in this church, in this city, involved in the culture, that we would be ambassadors of grace uh, to everyone who is broken, which is everyone. <laughs> and uh, Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things for the glory of your name and the good of your people and that the gospel of Jesus would advance to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen.